Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, stand with me if you will. We're going to read a couple of scriptures. If you want to turn to Proverbs 25, 5-6, through 6, we're going to start there. Then we're going to end up learning a little bit from Paul this morning. We love our, our friend Paul. Pablo Picasso lived in, in France. His house was robbed one day. Well, he goes to the officers and he says, Guys, I can paint you a picture of the robbers. Now, if you know anything about Pablo Picasso, it's shapes and all these abstract type things. He begins to paint them a picture and the officer there says, Okay, I'll take it. Well, before it was all over with, they, uh, they arrested a wash machine, an Eiffel Tower, yeah, a, a, a nun, and I think an official of the government. They didn't know what was going on. But uh, they got the robber. But how many of you guys know you have to have some understanding, right, when you're looking at some stuff? And that's what we're going to talk about today is determine to know Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, let's read a little bit out of Proverbs here, and I'll calm down. A wise man is full of strength. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Maybe it's not all about weights. Maybe it's about more wisdom. And a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Then we're going to turn to Proverbs 15, 14 real quick. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. Anybody know some fools? Yeah, I might have been there myself a couple times. Yeah, ate the whole thing too, and it was really, really bad. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your hand in our lives. God, bless our time together. Speak to us through your word. Change us, God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everyone says? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for streaming with us. We're glad that you're a part of this, and we love you guys. And thank you so much for being here. As Tanner said, last weekend was so great. A wonderful opportunity to to reach out to the community and put a positive experience on their lives, as well as uh, proclaim that the tomb was empty. Still is and always will be, because our Savior lives. Amen? Yeah, well, that's worth being excited about, okay? So if I say amen, you can say amen back. I'll try not to say that four or five hundred times. All right? All right. So what I want to talk to you this morning about is being determined. Now, in your bulletins, when you got one, I left it open-ended determined. Because in our lives, we have to be determined. But it starts with determined to know the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and him and him alone. And if I point at you and do this, it's more serious, okay? So I'll, I'll try not to, not to do that. I'll point at the pulpit up here. But we're determined. And what we realize is that whenever we get determined for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and to know him and know him only, what we find out is that feeds every part of our life. It makes me determined to be a better father. It makes me determined to be a better Christian, to be a better husband, to be a better spouse. Amen? And that's what we want to talk about as well. But we're going to make it very clear today, as Paul writes, that he is determined to know one thing, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In a world that we live in today, we see so many things pulling, that they're not all teaching just about Jesus Christ. They're mixing a whole lot of things in there. Proverbs 1 and 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. A very familiar verse. But we know the fear of God is the beginning. Does that mean I should be scared of Him? No, but it means I should live my life that one day I will stand before God and I will be held accountable. I will stand before my Lord and Savior. That will actually happen. 
But we've made some decisions in our life, and I hope this year you have. I'm going to do a little throwback here, and I want you to think a second. What was some New Year's resolutions that you made? And the whole audience goes, boo, right? We're way past those, right? There's no picking those back up. But we wanted to make some changes in our life that we should be determined to make. Maybe we should look back on those. Easter, the thing I love about Easter, it's that bringing that newness back. There are some people that came that doesn't ordinarily come, and maybe they're making the choices to say, listen, I'm going to get back in church and do those things. We don't want to judge that. We want to be excited and say, come back. Come back to us. Amen. As we climb out of this COVID thing, COVID situation, then we know that that's a part of it too. We're trying to start something new. But we have to be determined in what we do. And today, as we talk about determined to know Christ, let's see what Paul has to say about this. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my messages were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith might not rest upon the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul saying, I have determined to know one thing, and that is Jesus Christ in Him crucified. And in our world today, there's a lot of things that we can learn. There's a lot of things that people are trying to convince us. And as Christians, we have to be convinced of one thing, and that is Jesus Christ in Him crucified. But have you ever met one of those people who are determined? They're kind of crazy. They got the crazy eyes. You look at them, you know, and one eye might be shooting over here and kind of spinning around, and they're meaning to. You know, it's not like a, a syndrome or something, you know, and they're crazy. Then they usually all dressed up in garb, and it's weird. It's weird. They have weird eating habits, and they wake up way early in the morning and maybe go to bed way late at night, and they're consumed by that one thing, by that one thing that they have to become. If we think of elite warriors and elite athletes and these people who are in these elite positions, they're consumed, they're determined. It's like there's nothing that they wouldn't sacrifice to be in that place to do that thing. And that's where we have to be with Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I don't care what I have to lay down. I don't care what I have to give up. We're here to preach and teach and live Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen? Thank you, brothers and sisters. I know that you believe it. I'm yelling because I love you. <laughs> Sounds like a really good parenting technique, doesn't it? Horrible. Don't do that. But as we read this, we see some things. I see some things that jump out that I want to share with you. And the first things that I see is some, some warnings. What happens whenever we don't proclaim this one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified? I believe there's three things, and the first thing that I see is that if we don't make sure that that is our message, that that is our lifestyle, then we'll begin to proclaim another message than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul was speaking, and he said, listen, I have one message to proclaim, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what he said. He said, we're not going to weigh Wayne from it. We're not going to say anything different. I came to you. That's what I'm saying to you now in the letter. That's what I said to you, and that's what I'm going to say to you in the future. He was living in a community sort of like ours, and as far as a nation, and many different thoughts, and different ways of doing things. And, well, we can understand that. And he was saying, wait, 
one message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why would he be so specific on that? Well, because we can start proclaiming what's popular and not what's not biblical. We can start putting things in front of Christianity and make it seem right. We can start preaching from the pulpits about this woke culture, culture that we see. This woke culture. Maybe we can start preaching about social justice Christianity. Maybe we hear this, and I know that you hear this too, that, oh, you don't have to change. Come to Jesus just as you are and stay as you are, and that's not biblical. You come to Jesus as you are and you let Him clean you up. But you're going to change. My goodness, Jesus Christ did not die to make me a better person. He died because I was dead in my trespasses. There was no way that I could have a relationship with God. He was it. He didn't die so that I could be a better person, so that I could use the pulpit or we could use our lives. And all this stuff is very important because we're changed as a Christian. There's a regeneration in our life. We are a new creation, a new creature. But we don't proclaim what culture wants us to proclaim. We proclaim one thing, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if we don't stay close to that message and get it from the Word, then we begin to be influenced by culture. The next thing that I see is Paul is writing here, and he, if we're not careful and we don't make sure that we have that message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified well, we can then begin to downplay the message of Jesus Christ. We can begin to add things to it that doesn't need to be added. Here in Scripture, Paul writes plausible words of wisdom. He said, I didn't come to you and speak about plausible words of wisdom. What is he saying? I didn't speak to you like this is reasonable. See, we want to we make Christianity reasonable. It's not. It's I come to the cross and I kneel down and I accept Jesus Christ in my heart and I do what he says. I study the Bible and what the Bible says, that's what we do. Right, brothers and sisters? It's not reasonable, but that's okay because I'm in the hands of a loving God who wants the best for me. There's nothing reasonable about it. But so many times we can get wrapped up in that. We can wrapped up in the negotiation of Christianity. <laughs> we see this so often. Oh God, I want to negotiate what I can and cannot do. Not biblical. Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I do it His way how He tells me to do it. I don't say, God, I'm going to come to the cross, but I'm going to keep this old part of me. There's some darkness that I don't want you to shine light on. Or you know what? There's some things I really don't agree that you say is right in your word, so I'm going to live it and do it my own way and believe that I'm safe. No. No negotiations. He accepts us as we are, but our lives change in accordance with his word. We have fruit. Whenever a couple years ago or a year ago or so, uh, Mary and I, I guess before the COVID deal hit, we would go out to Mazio's Pizza with some people, and we'd always see these little kids, and Callie was one of them, my daughter, which is 10. And one of their favorite things to do was to take their cup and go up to the soda fountain and put in Sprite and then put in Dr. Pepper and then put in Diet Dr. Pepper and then put in root beer, and they just go down the deal, you know? Everything but water, right? If it wasn't in the soda water, they ain't getting water, right? And I love to see kids do that. 
But as I was processing this, I was thinking that we want to add so much to Christianity, people do. And it's just like those little kids who go up to that fountain. And and I'll tell you what I want. I want a little bit of Jesus and Joseph Smith. Let's throw a little bit of Plato in there. Maybe Buddha, Confucius. Oh, wait, Voltaire. Oh, oh, Gandhi. Let's go ahead and add all of that. And that's what we're going to present. And Paul said, no, it is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what we present. But I see little kids do that because of their immaturity. It tickles their palate. And then I look at our church and see how many immature people are running the church and wonder why that stuff is being pushed from the pulpit. Because we want stuff that tickles our palate, not Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we all fall into that category. It's all on our own to go back to the Word of God and say, what are you speaking to me that I need to change? Because we all need to change something, Amen. But we also can't take that cup and pour a little bit of Jesus in it and Nietzsche and Plato and Confucius say, now I can handle it. No, no. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I didn't come to you with lofty words and speech. I came to you directly. Second Timothy, chapter 4, Paul begins to warn Timothy about things like this. Very familiar scripture. He gives him the, great, he gives him the commission to preach the word. Two or three years ago, I forget now, maybe it was four years ago, I stood right there and pastor was up here and I was down there and he ordained me and he said those same exact words. Preach the word, Matt. He, he didn't say preach what you feel like or preach what you like or preach what you don't like. No, no, preach what culture tells you. Preach the word. And Timothy gets the same assignment from Paul and he says, listen, you need to preach the word. And he says, listen, people are not going to be ready for sound, they're not going to be ready for sound teaching. They won't want it. But, but scripture is to rebuke and reprove and exhort. And, and when you do that, you, you need to be ready, Timothy, because there's going to be some people that's going to go out there and find teachers that will teach them their passion, what they want to go after. In verse 4, that same chapter there, he goes on and says, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in myths. You know what's scary about that? The catch to that? Paul never said they'd quit preaching a little bit of Jesus. He just said they would begin to wander off in myths. We have to guard what's our standard. Jesus Christ and him crucified. If it's not that, I don't need to hear it. But Paul warned him. He said, listen, these guys are going to go off in some myths. You got to be careful. I think the next thing that I see here, the final thing that he warns us is, If we don't preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, we allow our weakness to win. Paul tells them in his writing, he said, listen, I came to you in weakness and much, or in fear and much trembling is actually what scripture says. I came to you in weakness and from fear and much trembling. Now let's define what weakness meant before he took his journey down to Corinth to be with his friends. He had been beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. At Thessalonica and Berea, he was ran out. He was scoffed and mocked at Athens. He was made fun of. So by the time he got down to Corinth to begin to help them set their church up and do, he was a little bit weak. Anybody been just a little bit weak at times? You've been trying to reach some people and they just don't get it. You got some family members that you've been crying out and you've been nice to and you've been going back and saying and asking yourself, God, am I praying right? Am I serving right? Am I I giving right? Am I doing what I need to do? Because I just don't feel it. And you're weak. 
And you feel like quitting and giving in. But see, whenever we don't preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, it's really easy to give in to our weakness because there really is a heaven and there really is a hell and we really have a devil out there that would like to send everybody to hell. But when I preach Jesus Christ to him crucified, I preach that Jesus died for my sins so that we all can go to heaven. Amen? Amen. So I come back to that standard. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Even when I don't feel like it. Even when I don't understand it. Even when I want to quit. Even when I don't understand. Even when I don't have the peace. I've got to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul proves that in his weakness. He said, listen, I came in weakness. I was tired. And he knows what tired and hungry and thirsty and beaten means. He knows what that means. I mean, homeboy's got a clue, you know what I'm saying? But he also has a clue about humbleness, which is fear and trembling, and he comes. And he says, listen, the way that you beat that weakness is you stay humble. And what Paul does for us here is he gives us a wonderful glimpse of the influence that we have as Christians. Stepping back and saying, it's okay, God has got it all figured out and whatever people are gonna do, they're just gonna do and I'm not worried about it. If we think that line of theology, then why did Paul go? Why, why, why did he have anxiety for the churches, for these little ones to grow up? Why, why, why did he feel like he had to go to Corinth knowing that they had just faced beatings and he might face some more? Why? Because he understood the influence that he had, that we can influence people to the cross, to the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, but there's one way to do that, and it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And for us, it's so important that we realize as we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, and we do it humbly, knowing that there's souls on the line, that it's worth it, that that's part of our purpose, is proclaiming this gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul shows us that people will turn. People will be in heaven. Amen? And you guys know that. You guys know that it's hard sometimes, though. You've been working really hard to make your business a, a business that's godly, a business that people want to work at. You've been trying to serve your family and trying to serve your friends, and you're just about tired. And maybe you've been thinking, I feel like quitting. Let me reassure you, do not give in to weakness. We've all been there. We'll all be there. Sometimes it's just too hard. I was sitting on the pew down in Wichita Falls at a friend's wedding. And I was in a place that was just not very spiritually healthy. God had begun to speak to me about some things I had to change in my life and I was really ambitious and I had a teaching job and I was going after a master's and I was refing and I was trying to do all these things to create revenue for my family. I started a business and, and I just at one point I remember the minute that everything changed for me and my spirit broke. And I had anxiety crawling all over me. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and, and pace the halls and, and cry out to God. I would go to the prayer room after school and just lay in the floor and cry out to God because anxiety had just eaten me up. And I was weak. But now looking back on it, I understand what I did right. And this is not to boast me or to lift me up. You guys have done the same as you just stay humble. You just believe that Christ has the answer. And you go back to prayer. And you go back to service. And you go back to doing the things that Christ said to do. And what message do we proclaim? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I go back to that because I believe in the humility of that. And I know that God has it under control. 
2 Corinthians 2 and 12, for the sake of Christ, I am content in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. What does he say? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because he understood that in his weakness, Christ was the strong. Christ was his rock. We see this with the apostles too. We see in Acts chapter 5, what do they say? In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, it says, We must obey God rather than men. Hey, if you search out the scriptures, they didn't do anything with arrogance. Everything they did was integrity and kindness and gentleness. But they would go before people, and what would they preach? I'm going to obey God, not man. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't need your permission to do that. Now, they would do it with honor and integrity, but that's what they would preach. We see the same theme here in the chapter that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where we say fear and trembling. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, but I'm going to do it with fear and trembling. Seven years later, he writes Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 2, what do we see? Chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. What does he tell us to work out our own salvation with? Fear and trembling. Work out what God has told you to do. What Jesus Christ and him crucified has directed you to do. And how do you do that? With fear and trembling. The theme doesn't change. But if we don't, we stand in that place where we can let weakness win. And we can surrender to weakness. Now how do we defeat weakness? Fear and trembling. I'm going to go with humility. And as I continued to read here, I was thinking to myself, God, these are the warnings that I believe that you're giving us, but what's some things that we uh, can understand as we preach this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, as we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified? Because our Savior lives. Our Savior is alive and within our lives. And that means that that comes with power, right? So God gives us some power. So what's some power that we gain whenever we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified? Now we know that obviously we need to do that because it is what God tells us to do and everybody says amen we know that but there's some power that comes from that the first power that I see that God will allow us is a power for commitment now hold on here I know this is not super spiritual but if you're looking in our world today one thing we ain't good at is commitment my goodness making all kinds of appointments and not keeping them and costing people all kinds of money we have trouble with that. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Really? I was there 35 minutes and you weren't there. I forgot. You think you need a call? <laughs> be nice, right? We all do that, but when you make a lifestyle of that, hey, and all you entrepreneurs are like, hey, man, preach it, brother. Patting yourself on the chest. I hear you. It's okay. I'm not. It's okay. I got you. I got you, okay? But here in Scripture, we see that Paul was committed. Well, what was he committed to? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was a testimony. That's why, I'm, why was he committed? Because at the end of that scripture, he says that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in what? The power of God. See, Jesus Christ and him crucified, when we preach that, it begins to build that power of God in people's lives. It pulls them away from the world. It pulls them away from men and begins to insert that power in their life. And power for what? Power for commitment. That I am committed to one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I know that the rest of the things will work out because that commitment will fade through my life and my marriage will change and my kids will change and listen to me guys as I was praying for you today youth listen to me we live in a culture where kids have to be committed to parents 
And it's nothing new. You guys who are 50, 60, 70, you guys know what I'm about to say. And our generation is so in your generation. I'm old now. I'm 38. I like to think I'm 18, but my body says, no, you're not. So that's not fun. But we live in a culture that would say, listen, just rebel against your parents. They don't know anything anyways. Rebel against the establishment. Instead of peacefully trying to change things, let's throw bricks through windows and set buildings on fire. And the crowd goes silent, but it's true. You need to rebel against the establishment and against the authority, and that's what, what we need to do. First Peter chapter 5, and I won't go in it, but it talks about submitting to your elders. It talks about us, whenever we do that, the power and the authority that we can have in our life. Why? Because we're putting it in the hands of God and saying, God, you know best. You really have the authority all worked out. And although it seems like I don't have any control and understanding, truthfully, my understanding and my control is in you. Why? Because I only have to think about one thing. What's that one thing? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Bulls it all down to that. But young people, if you don't get committed to your parents, committed to listening to them, committed to understand that there's the scope of the Bible that you can't go outside of that. But you can surrender yourself and say, listen, I'm going to listen to my parents in a world that says that I don't have to. Timothy gets a letter from Paul. And in the second chapter of 2 Timothy, he says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord for a pure heart. We surround ourselves with people who are wanting the same thing we want. What do we want? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what a pure heart is. But we've got to be willing to be committed to give up some stuff in our life, some passions and some pursuits, and turn it over to faith and love and peace. But that only happens when it's committed, when we're truly determined to know one thing. And whatever you say, God, that's what I'm going to do. The next power that I see is it gives us power over life. Here Paul said, when I came. You know how many things Paul had to endure to go somewhere? Good Lord. Man, trouble followed that guy. He wasn't even asking for it. He'd walk into a town and people wouldn't even want to be around him. You know? If he did, I mean, it, it, was, it was that bad. People were like, I don't know. Because trouble followed him. And there were so many things that he had to overcome with beatings and robbers and different things like that. And we know that because it says in his weakness, whenever he was beaten, didn't fill up and scoffed at in Athens, which we talked about. But what does he say? I came in weakness, but what happened? You saw the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Because he came preaching one thing. He had made up his mind to preach one thing. It gave him power over life circumstances. Didn't mean he didn't have to walk through it. Didn't mean he didn't get beat. Didn't mean he didn't have reputation problems. Didn't mean people didn't lie against him in prison falsely. That All that happened. So it doesn't give us some sort of monopoly, don't pass, go, don't collect $200 type deal where we just get to pass through. Nope, that's not what happened. But then in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this, 15 and 27. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle John says this in, in, in chapter 5 of 1 John, verse 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes in who? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It goes back to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what I believe. But life can certainly get in the way. But we have power over that. About three years ago or two years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood, I got kidney stones. And some of you guys have heard this story. It's comical now, but I promise you when you have kidney stones, it's the furthest thing from funny. 
all right? But now looking back on it, uh, and you know, it's pretty funny. And my wife did a good job of bringing some humor into that a couple days after I was past the kidney stones. She, she didn't give me any more break than that. You know, like two days later, it's like, ah, you know. I'm like, okay, you got it. Okay. Callie had a dentist appointment. My back been hurting all day, and you know how it is. You guys, I think, man, I just picked up something, or I bent over wrong, or maybe I stretched wrong something. I don't know. A lot of stuff you could do. Laid on the couch, and kind of, not laid on the couch, but was on the couch, and got worse and worse and worse. Callie had a dentist appointment. So I said, I'll bring Callie. My back will be okay. It was. I lived in Bray, went down Highway 29, turned down Plainman, landed on Fifth Street. Plainsman Street landed on Fifth Street, and everything was okay until about a mile, a mile and a half before Plato. And you know where Plato T's there, and you can go into Chisholm Corner? Yeah, about a mile out, I was having issues. Anybody ever had any issues? Good Lord. I mean, I was scaring Callie, and she's usually cool with fun driving, not that day. So I'm, you know, not keeping it straight, you know, and I'm like, I better pull over or something, you know, I don't want this thing to turn out worse. It was scary because I didn't know what was going on. Anyways, I wound up in the parking lot of Chisholm, Chisholm Center there, Chisholm Corner. And I, it's funny, I'm a, oh my God. You know, I'm walking around the parking lot. People are wondering what's going on. I just throw my phone to Callie and say, call anybody but the ambulance. I don't want to pay that bill. Call your mom, if you will. It was funny. I might die in the Chisholm parking lot, but my wife is not going to have to pay 100 you know, for yeah, it's so stupid thinking now. Well, that'd been a cheap ambulance ride if something bad was going to happen, you know. Anyways, but I'm pacing and I'm doing this and it's just horrible. And so I don't do a spoiler here. It, it, or so I do a spoiler here. It passed and everything was okay. Especially after they gave me the drugs. <laughs> yeah. I ain't never had that before. Hadn't had it since. Haven't had it since. Okay, haven't had it since. But the doc said, how you doing? I said, it's good, man. But I learned something from that life situation. Yeah, praise the Lord. You're right. <laughs> Right drug, right time, right? When it's the wrong drug at any other time, it's usually not good, okay? Clarification. But what I learned from that life situation is sometimes you can just be blinded from life. That pain blinded me. The weakness in my life at that point, it all consumed me. And it was all about me, I promise you. <laughs> There's sometimes we break an arm and ankle, absolutely, we got to get to the hospital. But so many other times in our life, it's just life popping up that causes a weakness and we just throw ourselves into it and we look like a three-year-old rolling around the on the floor throwing a tantrum. And God's trying to do something through us because in our weakness, He is strong because we have one message and it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I don't care whether I feel like it or whether I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter what I've been through or what I'm going to. It's one, one thing and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because it'll take the blinders off of our life. And the third thing is it gives us power to fight our adversary. It gives us power to fight our adversary. Paul writes, he says, listen, I didn't come to you with lofty speech, no plausible words. What is he saying? I didn't come in pride. Ooh, how many times does the enemy use pride to destroy things? Yeah, he said, listen, I didn't come in pride. I didn't come in any of that stuff. Instead, I came in humility. I came in fear and much trembling. Proverbs 16 and 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 11 and 12, when pride comes, then disgrace comes. But, when the hum but, when, uh, but with the humbleness is wisdom. And then Proverbs 18 and 12, which should be on the board behind me, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. 
See, it gives me power to fight the adversary because the adversary will come and whisper in our ear. The evil will come and influence us. And whenever I come and say, listen, I'm going to make sure my message is straight. It is one thing, and it is Jesus Christ and him crucified. I know I don't know what I'm walking into here, but I know that the enemy can't win. But what's my message? When I look back and I see maybe the enemy defeated me or kicked my tail in, what was I preaching? What was I saying? What did my life reflect? Did it reflect the one message? Or did it reflect what I wanted it to reflect? The last thing here, and you don't have to write this down, but it gives us the ability to recognize our enemy. It gives us the understanding in a world where the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. Whenever I get my heart straight, as an unbeliever, whenever I submit to this one message, Jesus Christ and him crucified, the blinders begin to be taken off. And we begin to walk in revelation. Pastor and I always talk about this. So we talk about you guys all the time. Well, how about this person? We got to wade them into the pool. We know that this is the deep end. Far too many times Christians have been thrown into the deep end and forced to swim in their own and they didn't make it. But we got to wait them in and those blinders of revelation step after step about this loving God who wants to reveal these things to them and wants to learn and grow and mature. And then we even do that and really the maturing never stops, does it? The blinders continue to come off, continue to go forward. Why? Because I recognize that I have an adversary. And what does that mean? That means whenever I preach this one message, Jesus Christ and him crucified, I can begin to take the blinders off of other people's eyes. Now, ultimately, they have to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Oh, but whenever I begin to talk about Jesus and principalities and powers and strongholds begin to break and chains begin to break, deliverance starts happening, and it's a real thing, amen? Why? One message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's not just what I say, but it has to be what I do, and I have to be convinced. I have to be determined. God, what do I have to lay to the side? What do I have to say yes to? What do I have to say no to? Because it's about my life lining up with your word, Jesus Christ and him crucified, knowing that we're running into a loving God's arms. Listen to me, Christian. Even if you've got some stuff and you need to straighten it out in your life, you're still running to a loving God. He doesn't stop loving you because you become a Christian. No, the blinders have been removed, and he's helping you shine the light on those dark areas so we can grow closer and closer and closer to him. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.